0: Uh, My heart is steadfast, O God. I'll sing and make melody with all of my being. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I'll give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I'll sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great above the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth, that your beloved ones may be delivered. Give salvation by your right hand and answer me. God has promised in his holiness With exultation, I'll divide up Shechem, and portion at the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine, Ephraim is my helmet, Judah my scepter, Moab is my washbasin. Upon Edom, I cast my shoe. Over Philistia, I shout in triumph. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Have you not rejected us, O God? You do not go out, O God, with our armies. O grant us help against the foe, for vain is the salvation of man. With God we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Today, I'm going to let the children stay where you are. You could stay where you are. But I'm going to invite my friend, Matthew Pacheco. I saw you. Come on, Matthew. Let's give him a hand. He's a youth group senior. And so, so Matthew here, you could have I'll send over there. So um, there's a there's a big similarity with hitting a baseball and worship, and you're like, how does that connect? And and bear me out, bear with me, and then we'll get to that point. But hitting a baseball, uh, the physics of it, they said, the science of it is extraordinarily difficult. It, they say it's the one of the hardest. Sporting activities to do if you're hitting a 90 mile-per-hour pitch from 60 feet away They say that you have 150 milliseconds to decide to swing 150 so boys and girls 150 millisecond is equivalent to a bee Flapping its wing just once like that quickly you have to decide and it gets crazier You have a window of 10 millisecond to hit the ball And so I want to show you a video of actual major league pitchers, how fast they throw. So if you could hit that, you could make two million dollars. So, so, so in baseball, to hit that ball, to go into a batter's box and think, "I'm going to hit the baseball," is almost impossible unless you're prepared. And so these are the four things that I try to teach. It's like a baseball seminar. The stance, Matthew the stance. the load, the load is like, yeah, there it is. The read, the ball's coming in. And then the swing. Show us a swing. Okay, show us a real swing. Okay. <laughs> ready? Yeah, Matthew, Matthew knows how to play baseball. So all those things have to come together for you to hit a 90-mile-per-hour ball. So if you just go in there kind of casual and not ready, you're not going to hit the baseball. So these four things. And so I'm going to just see Matthew. Don't hit it hard. So. And I'm trying to make sure nothing, I'm going to protect Billy's guitar. So let's see, Matthew. Yes. All right, Matthew, go. Thank you for not breaking the window. Okay. So, so clearly I didn't throw it hard, but boys and girls, if I threw it hard, I think Matthew could still hit it, but he's ready. He's loaded. He's looking at the ball coming in. It's a curveball. ball. Uh-oh. And he's going to move his hands, and then he does a swing. Now, what does that have to do with worship? So when we come into church to worship God, does worship happen automatically? No. You could come into church every Sunday and be like, oh, I don't want to be here. Or worship just doesn't come out of you. It doesn't just happen. You're in the batter's box, and you have to be ready. And so how does that look like for worship? Well, David tells us in Psalm 108. My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make melody with all my being. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. And so this is pretty cool. There's four things happening there. My heart is steadfast. I'll go back, please. My heart is steadfast. That means my heart is ready. I am here. I want to give you worship, God. I will sing how? With everything. So in baseball, if you go in there and you're like, I'm not sure if I want to swing and you do one of these things. You're kind of half committed. You're not going to hit it. You have to be fully engaged. And worship is similarly, are you here with everything? Your heart, mind, soul, and strength, body. So if you think the praise team does the worship and we get to watch them, that's not worshiping. And so David says, I'm going to give you worship with everything. And then he says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. Thanks. Worshipping is a gradi- response of gratitude, thanking God. Just humor me. Can you say to God right now, thank you, God? Does that feel One more time. Just tell God, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Like that's worship. So, uh, worshiping, we come in here to say, God, you are good, and I thank you. I got bills, my health may not be good, but God is still good. And so we worship God not because my life is perfect. We worship God because God is good. He's still the provider of salvation. He's still the provider of my life. And lastly, it ends with this. Uh, go back. <laughs> I will sing praises to you among the nations. That part threw me off. David just does, doesn't want to have an individual personal worship. Some of you are like, and I'm not sure worship was good for me today. Worship isn't just about you. It's about God and all of us together. This is what makes worship corporate in a body. There's something happening together. And so this is what, next slide, is what it's saying. The stance is, God, I am ready here to worship you. That's the batter getting in the box. The load is, I'm going to give everything to you. I give you worship with all my being. The read as the pitch is coming in i thank you it's got to be driven by gratitude what are we thankful for jesus that he would die on the cross to save sinners like you and me and the swing that hits the ball is you alone are the one that deserves all of our worship not baseball not my wife not my husband not my school not my girlfriend not my money you are the one that's deserving of all our praises throughout the world. And that's how we worship God. So worship doesn't happen when you come into church. You have to be in the batter's box ready to swing. Amen? And so it's uh, active worship. And a lot of times we think that there's performers here and we get to just watch worship. But worship is you and me doing it together and hitting a home run. And no, that was corny. That I was, I wasn't. So Boys and girls, let's worship God always. Amen? All right, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for teaching us how to worship through King David who wrote this psalm. He loves you. He worships you. He knows how to worship you. And gosh, these are great reminders that worship is not happening in front of us, but worship is what we bring together. So, Lord, from little children to adults, Help us to be worshipers by faith, giving you all of our being, singing even out of tune joyfully to the God with all of our being because you're worthy. Help us to be worshipers, not just on Sunday, but every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, boys and girls, we'll see you later. Have a great time at Kitsman. Thank you, volunteers, leaders. 90 mile per hour pitch. That, did you see that? What do you guys think? How many of you think you could hit that? Just, just out, out of it for fun. Not even one? Like some biola guys. <laughs> hey, I took the youth group to batting cages once. We'll, we'll go again. We get so fun. All right. So I think Keith Keith Green was a Christian singer in the 70s, and he said, "Going to church doesn't make you a Christian as much as going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger." um so just going into a place doesn't change us there's something else going on and so going into church today doesn't mean that worship automatically happens because we want you to worship we want to worship together so in this whole baseball idea analogy i've been thinking about baseball i shared this with my kids and they said dad you're thinking about baseball too much i said i know but it's so fun so here's the assumption whenever we talk about worship Whenever we talk about worship, what we're saying is this truth, that God is worthy of all glory, period, full stop. Like, when we think about worship, when we talk about worship, when we read about it in the Old Testament, New Testament, confessions, what we're just simply saying is God is worthy of glory, period. It has nothing to do with us first. We're participants of it, but it's about God and God's glory. So... In the Westminster Shorter Catechism of the Book of Confessions, the first question is, what is the chief end of man? Answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's a, that's a summary of your life and my life in the whole context of God's cr- world. And so at the same time, regardless of whether you and I glorify God, here's the truth that C.S. Lewis tells us. A man can no more diminish God's glory by refusing to worship him than a lunatic can put out the sun by scribbling the word darkness on the walls of his cell. In other words, God is glorious. He doesn't get glorious because we give him worship. God's glory is glorious, unchanging, and fixed. So he invites us to worship him. But if we don't worship him, that glory still is there. So the point of this is we're invited to God to draw near, to glorify this one true God, the real God, the one who created the heavens and the world. And so worship is not for God's sake. In some ways, it's actually for us to know and have visible connection with the living God. And so why in the world does worship feel like a waste of time sometimes? That's the name of this title. It's kind of negative, I realize, but... Sometimes we feel like, oh, worship felt like a waste of time. And I think the premise here is that has less to do with what's going on in the church and more to do with what's going on inside of us. And David exposes that in Psalm 108 because he's such a worshiper. And so we live in a world, yes, that's designed to distract, detract, and give idols to our children and to our families. Would you agree with that? I mean, we live in a world that constantly says you need to have this. Look at this more fun and exciting thing. We live in a world that pulls us away and actually makes us more and more self-centered. Every commercial is selling you something by saying you deserve it. I know you can't afford it, but you deserve it. (laughs) And so we, we buy into that. And so we live in a world that makes us the center of worship rather than God. And that's why worship feels like a drag, because it's not about us. I want people to praise me. Well, Paul writes this in Romans 1.21, and this is the NIV version. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, hey, I know everything about the world. I don't need to go to that religion stuff. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings, birds and animals and reptiles. That's true today. We worship created things rather than the creator, and we claim, I know enough. And so A.W. Tozer writes, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven because you know what we'll be doing in heaven (laughs) guess what we'll be doing in heaven it is going to be a glorious worship of god and the lamb of god and this triune god forever but it's not like a worship service i can't i can't fathom it it's going to be amazing and so aw tozer is saying when we can't worship it's not about what's happening around us. Oh, the music, oh, I wish we had sang this, or I wish the sermon wasn't two hours long, and although that's a problem. And, you know, it's, it's about what's going on in us and how we're perceiving this God. So for those of us in church, Psalm 108, written by King David, shows us the heart of a worshiper. The heart of a worshiper. If you ever felt that, oh boy, I have to go to worship, as opposed to, wow, we get to go to worship, This is for us. So let's look into it. Psalm 108 has five parts. Uh, The first part is a first person. I will worship God. My my, My heart rejoices and is steadfast in the Lord. It's about me. David is talking about how he feels. I will proclaim. Second part is second person. Talking about God. God, be exalted. You are this. You are great. And the third part, verse seven through nine, is a third person. Isn't that interesting? Keeps shifting. God has declared that God owns this. God, God, Judah is God's scepter. So there's a talking about God. And then the fourth part is the second person help us of oh God over our enemies, and then it ends with this declaration: that God, you, you, you are giving us life that we can live, and so. The first thing we realize when you see this in a, in a macro level of Psalm 108 is this. Worship is preceded by a relationship with God. Can, can we say that? Ready? Worship is preceded by a relationship with God. That's why worship becomes joyful. Because it reminds us, that's the God who saved me. There's stories, countless stories about people who rescued dogs and then... The dog goes to the shelter, and then no one picks the dog up. So the rescuer comes, and the dog gets excited because it recognizes its rescuer. There's a story about a girl who was caught in a house fire. True story. And someone jumped into the house, burned, to save this girl and saved her life. And guess what? Her family died. And the court, they go to court. Who do you want? And she chose him. He's the one that rescued me. And so there's these stories where we identify with those who have saved us, delivered us. And worship is, what, we're just gathered here because there is good news. Sinners like us are rescued by God. What's our response? Worship. And so worship is a response to a relationship by God. It's preceded by this. So when people, we try to make people worship God, it's sometimes futile. They, they don't understand God. They haven't seen God. They haven't known God. And so hope that's, that's the mission of the church. We'll talk about that in a moment. So to David, God initiated this relationship with him. David remembers God as the one who redeemed him, restored him. David remembers God who he's grateful for. David recalls God's faithfulness. You've been faithful. Can you raise your hand if you could remember at least once where God was faithful? Worship, that's a, that's a trigger to worship. Can you recall when God has showed you his steadfast love? Raise your hand again. See, this allows us to worship God, remembering that, recalling that we are in a relationship with God, and that drives us to worship. As opposed to a pastor saying, sing, or listen, or come to church. It's this, God is God. How do I live? So this is why David worships, and genuine worship flows out of God's salvation in David. Good news. So David's worship looks like this. He starts with, my heart is steadfast. So steadfast in Hebrew means two different words. It's established, fixed, and established, and the other one is ready and prepared. And in fact, both different definitions work in this text. My heart is fixed and ready and prepared to worship you. And so that's what David is saying: I am ready to worship anytime, twenty-four-seven. God, you want me to worship you? I am here. The battle is already won. So if you come to church to get ready for worship, it's already too late. Sometimes you're actually doing that at eight o'clock Sunday morning. You're like, oh, I could use an extra hour's sleep. The battle's already beginning, but you gotta win that battle by choosing to say, God is worthy of worship i need to go worship god and that allows you to be prepared in this so to be steadfast and ready in worship is anticipating something that's really cool Um, john calvin says this when we're here right now together i want to i want to kind of mess us up in a cool way john calvin says it's not just a person talking and listening there's something else going on and listen to what john calvin says let us know and be fully persuaded That wherever the faithful who worship him purely and in due form, according to the appointment of his word, are assembled together to engage in the solemn act of religious worship, God is graciously present and presides in the midst of them. Who is here right now with us? Who is here right now with us? Who is here right now with us? Like this is the idea that when we gather and worship, God is in the assembly presiding the worship and we're just facilitators. And so this is what the Hebrew word kabod, the holy glory of God, is here. This allows us to humble ourselves and say, who am I? Who am I? And so anytime, anywhere we can worship God, that's the message there that John is saying. Whenever you're gathered Worship is not a building, it's the gathering. And so, Paul and Silas in Acts 16, they're chained and shackled. And what do they do? It says, verse 25, at midnight, did you get that? At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. What did Paul and Silas do in prison? They don't sit in self-pity. They're worshiping God. Until how late? Midnight. Now, I'm getting older, so, like, I, I could feel it. I used to be, like, 10 o'clock, I'm like, prime time. Now, 11 o'clock, I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> and then you, you fall asleep early. But midnight, they're so refreshed and recharged that they could worship God in a cold cell because their heart is steadfast. Is your heart steadfast? David says, I will sing and make melody with all my being, translated literally with all my glory, or all of my soul. Uh, Eugene Peterson translates this in the message version. I'm ready, God, so ready, ready from head to toe. So do you ever hear this joke? A pig and a chicken are walking down the road. The chicken says, hey, pig, I was thinking we should open a restaurant. Pig replies, hmm, maybe, what should we call it? The chicken responds, how about ham and eggs? The pig thinks for a moment and says, no, thanks. I'd be committed, but you'd only be involved. There's a lot to unpack there. And what the pig is saying is for us to have a restaurant to do this, for me, if it's ham, I'm, I'm all in, but you've only be involved. And I think what David is saying is worship is fully committed. Amen? If you're only involved in worship, it's not all in. You, you miss out on it. We don't miss out. I mean, people are worshiping still. But can you imagine this? 100% of the people that walk through these doors are fully committed to worship God. What would that look like? Can you imagine a room filled with singing and song and everyone just praising God? What would that feel like? You've been there. Every Sunday. This just is a testimony to the world that Maybe there's something with God. The doubters start to doubt. And so worship is meaningful when we fully commit to God. And that looks like making sure worship is not about us, but it's lifting our voices despite us to God. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 22. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus says what? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Three times Jesus uses the word holos, which means awe, fullness of who you are. And so when we are wholly given over to God, worship doesn't feel like a waste of time. We're engaged. We're committed. We're we're like that pig, <laughs> not just like the chicken. And so is your body here? Yes. I see many bodies here. Is your mind and heart here? So praise, I realize, it's not just what comes out of our mouths, but for David, praise, he's singing with his whole being. Did that kind of, did you catch that? It, he doesn't say, I will praise you with my lips. He says, I will praise you with my whole being. Now, I want to try something here. So for the next 10 seconds, sing, sing these lines. Um, how great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. You know that song? Sing it in silence, just through your heart. You ready? Close your eyes and sing that out with your heart. number one, you realize it's possible you could sing without moving your lips. Number two, when it flows out of your heart, you, you you've really fix it on God and sing. Great, are you? So praise is available wholeheartedly. David continues, I will give thanks to you. In worship, it is gratitude. Uh, Deborah Brown, she wrote a poem, and I, I rarely read a poem, but I wanted to read this. A crisp Cool autumn evening. Stars fill the night up high. God, the creator, decking out the sky. A garden lit by the moonlight, a rose kissed by his hand. The beauty he created, even the smallest pieces of sand. Petals of roses glisten in the night. The master of creation, his colors are pure delight. From void he created beauty, from dark he created light. The master of creation, and to man, he gave them life. When we hear things like that, how can it not make you feel grateful? I Just looking at the world, I was driving up Beach Boulevard and I saw a palm tree. And I said, palm trees are so pretty. <laughs> People in New Jersey love palm trees. And I realized, how could a palm tree just form in that perfect design by itself over billions of years? No way. Oh, we had a bird that flew into our Jenks hall window because it was so clear. I, don't, I think the bird's okay because I didn't find it. But the imprint of the bird was beautiful. Was sad and beautiful because I was like, even in the imprint of the, be- the oils of the feather, the bird really looked like it was like, oh, no. But I was like, the thought that came to my mind went to was, that's God's creature. How did you create something so beautiful? And I hope it's okay. Anyway, these thoughts come to my mind. I look at the world and I realize God created this. How can we not have gratitude? I know the Biola guys a couple years ago went to uh, the Angel's Landing in Zion. You can't go to Zion and say, eh, you're in awe of the beauty. Who created that? And so this Psalm 834, when he writes, when I look at the heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? That's a question you and I should ask. Who are we that you should be mindful of us? That you care for us. And yet, what does God do? He thinks of you. He thinks of us. And what does Jason Code do? Why do I worship God? Because God, in this immortal being amazing, gave his son to redeem me. He gave me the greatest gift. And so this is why we worship. And so enjoy. And so David ends with this, and we're at the close. He desires in Psalm 108, 5, and 6, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth, that your beloved ones may be delivered. Give salvation by your right hand and answer me. A lot of us, we worship individually. We walk away thinking, what did I get out of it? But worship is happening now. It's corporate. And what God's purpose is, is he wants the glory, his glory to spread through all the earth. He wants his name and fame to be known because he is life. And so if worship is for those delivered from sin and death, what is our call? That's why we have mission. The reason we have mission is so that people around the world can be able to worship God. In fact, John Piper says this line, mission exists because worship doesn't. So that the world can worship God, we go out into the world. And so mission is a way of saying there's joy in knowing the Lord, and so I wanted to end, end it up is if we could pray for a world that worships God and for you and I to be the church that leads people to know God and worship, it's very fitting at this time because I wrote this down, and I had a photo, but I forgot to put it up and this is how worship and mission all collide. right now in Ukraine, there was a photo of these Elderly ladies and men gathered outside in the snow on their knees holding hands. You know what they were doing? There were Christians in Ukraine gathered outside in the cold on the snow praying for protection and for their land in this verge of war. And I don't want to be political. I'm just saying that in this moment there are people living there on the verge of war and saying, God, you're our only hope and so we will seek your face. And so how we worship, how we move in this truth of David's worship is not only do we worship, but we pray for the world to be able to recognize the glory of God. So we pray for Ukraine. We pray for Russia. We pray for China and North Korea. We pray for all the world that as they gather, with us with gratitude, humility, and confidence that Jesus is the good news, we pray that they would know this gift and worship god and so i wanted to end our worship in that way to just join in prayer because we are worshipers because god is worthy and because the answer is for the world to see this goodness of god that you and i could just spend the time together in prayer for the things in the world yes so would you just join me and then we'll close in silence May our prayers be that, God, let your worship be filled throughout the whole world in all people, nation, tribe, and tongue. That David is right, that the glory of God should cross boundaries and borders and languages because God is God of all. And one way we could pray for that is specifically this urgency as a church. We plead and intercede for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and, and even in Russia and all around the world. As the Olympics are wrapping up too, that the world sees, boy, there's so much diversity. God, would there be unity in you? So would you just join me? Let's pray together and then I'll close us in time of prayer. god we are here to worship you we are here to give you ourselves wholly, not to check swing but to fully commit because you are a god who did not withhold yourself to redeem us you're also a god whose glory shines whether we worship you or not and that glory is so compelling And though the world may be blinded, would you lift the veils so that we would see that you are our only hope, you are the truth, you are good. God, may your faithfulness and your love be known to all people groups around the world, especially those in Ukraine and Russia right now, that there will be a presence of peace and there will be a solution that you can bring in your way. We pray that, God, not only for worldly peace, we pray for spiritual peace, ultimately, that all the peoples of the world will know that the hostility and the brokenness of relationships and our broken relationship with you is solved by the one that you sent to save us. And so, God, we lift these things up to you, trusting you are the God who allows the countries and nations, as Psalm 108 tells us, you impart, you give out you separate, you divide, you do in your wisdom all that you desire. And so in your goodness, we pray that the nations of the world will be yours. And so help us to rest in that peace. Thank you, Jesus, for this time that CPCLM, we could be not just people who come to church, but we are worshipers as a church. That our response to you in worship will be triggered by the fact that sinners like us were redeemed and called by the grace of God, in the mercy of God, to Christ. Thank you, Lord, for this moment. Would you receive all these things for your name's sake and glory. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.